0: Don't miss David Clark and James O'Keefe at Freedom Summit 2018. Get your tickets today at freedomsummitchicago.com.
1: Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on our big story. Uh, Amy and other aging prom queens gathering together. Homecoming on Homecoming up- queens. Oh, prom uh, homecoming queens. Excuse me, aging homecoming queens. Yes. Uh, uh, Pickup trucks this evening at Hersey High School. So you want to come out for that?
2: It's a parade around the. Um, oh my God. It's a parade yeah. around the track. Mm-hmm. And we're in pickup trucks. Hopefully people can get on the pickup truck. And then they put it, yeah. If you're, a, really if have you're a, a queen of in the 1970s, you're on this car. If you're from the 80s, you're in a different pickup truck. 90s, 2000s. You
1: know what they should have? They, they should have pickup trucks from the respective era <laughs> to really make you feel your age. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, our other big story. And I
2: will be tweeting that picture out of. My, my okay. homecoming queen, because the king looks a lot like Brett Kavanaugh.
1: Was it Brett Kavanaugh?
2: I don't know. Yeah. Was, uh,
1: was it Georgetown Prep?
2: Maybe it was Squee. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
1: right. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Our other big story is about Brett Kavanaugh. You know, he's a Supreme Court nominee. I don't know if you've been following this yeah, story. Yeah, I have been. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, uh, DiFi reacted to the report that was uh, necessitated one could argue, uh, by her failure to disclose, Um, but don't worry, she's not feeling any shame about it.
0: What I can say is that the most notable part of this report is what's not in it. As we noted by the White House, the FBI did not interview Brett Kavanaugh, nor did the FBI interview Dr. Blasey Ford what we've heard from numerous people over the last few days seeking to provide information to the FBI. We have seen even more press reports of witnesses who wanted to speak with the FBI but were not interviewed. Deborah Ramirez's lawyer said he was unaware of any corroborating witnesses who were interviewed. Candidly, what we reviewed today in a very limited time uh, I was there. I had to leave. Uh, the report is in parts, and I had the opportunity to read some, but not all of it. Mm,
1: yeah. Well. Oh,
2: some, not all.
0: It's yeah. Forty-five
2: pages.
1: Uh, the staff I mean, can too much. Read the rest to her. Uh, For
2: her granny eyes.
1: Yeah. Over, you know, while she's doing her water aerobics, uh, <laughs> the the R B G workout, right? Oh
2: yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, so yeah, so that's a statement that she could have and probably did have prepared prior to the report being issued. Yeah. I mean, of course the Democrats were going to be unsatisfied by anything that doesn't have uh, dispositive evidence of Brett Kavanaugh's guilt. For more on this topic, we're pleased to be joined by Tim Carney, who, of course, is a senior political columnist at the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, So uh, is Chris Coons right uh, that... uh, Cavanaugh will likely be narrowly confirmed.
3: I think so. That's uh, sort of the despondent attitude of the of the Democrats. There are question marks. Lisa Murkowski, Jeff Flake are are two big ones. Susan Collins seems to be giving positive indications. Um, but the fact is that I actually agreed with Flake a week ago when he said that uh, we we need a little more time to look into this. The testimony of Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey-Ford before the Senate committee was helpful, but um, to have the FBI talk to other people that we hadn't heard from the other witnesses of this supposed attack, uh, I was unsure. We didn't know um, uh, where to come down on this issue at the examiner. And then, like Flake, I wanted more time. We got the FBI investigation. They found zero to corroborate it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, that you've got Um, more uh, certainty and conviction on behalf of the Republicans there that this was basically a smear attack and an uncorroborated, uncredible uh, accusation.
2: Do you think they interviewed the right people? I mean, they said that they interviewed ten, seven of them we know, the woman that was allegedly with her at the party, uh, PJ, you know, the the whole cast. They didn't interview Ford or Kavanaugh. But do you think there's somebody else that should have been interviewed? Or do they... Got all the I's well, across I mean, so all
3: the teams. I, the thing about the, it, it, it's really almost a telling uh, mindset when the Democrats are saying they are complaining about not interviewing Ford and Kavanaugh. On one level, you could just say, oh, this is cynical complaining. They were going to object to anything that came out. That's true. But on the other level, the Senate wanting to outsource its own job to the FBI is what's most telling here. This is not uh, that the the left sort of believes more in a permanent state that should carry out everything rather than in uh, the democratic process. The Constitution makes it clear that the advising consent uh, responsibility falls on the Senate. The Senate has the ability to conduct investigations. The Senate did investigate. It interviewed Kavanaugh multiple times under oath. It interviewed Ford under oath. It got her there as quickly as possible. It offered her many things the fact that what they were using the FBI for was to supplement what the Senate had already done. And the Senate didn't have the ability to bring forward these people who really didn't want to go in public. So that's where the FBI went. So to criticize um, them for not doing that, for not uh, interviewing these two again, is senators saying, we don't want to do our job. We want the FBI to do our job for us.
1: Uh, Much is uh, being made today of the... uh... Op-ed in the Wall Street Journal by Brett Kavanaugh, sort of a good housekeeping. I'm going to be impartial and uh, I'm, you know, you I am
2: apologize. I, my you
1: temperament's know. fine. I was too sharp with idiot senators, blah, blah, blah. The real important op-ed for me yesterday that was published from another Brett, Brett Stevens, the New York Times. There's an ever-Trumper, Trumper uh, who is like with John Paul Stevens, wants to repeal the Second Amendment. But he uh, writes, for once, I'm grateful for Trump. And he talks about moments that crystallized his view over the last week in support of Brett Kavanaugh. One of the four moments he cites: listening to Cory Booker explain on Tuesday that ultimately it doesn't matter if Kavanaugh is guilty or innocent because enough questions had been raised and it was time to move on to another candidate. Uh, and he, you know, breaks down that uh, rhetorical sleight of hand. Uh, he also mentioned Sweatnick's, so, you know, salacious and conflicting allegations but in, in terms of Booker, Blumenthal, Harris, Feinstein, White House, Coons, uh the Democrats uh, overplay their hand on this?
3: I think they did and what's more, I think they it was an utterly utterly shameful display. now you guys know I, I cover politics I've been here for 20 years. I don't have high high expectations of politicians. This was the worst moment I've seen in American politics. That the the willingness to utterly smear a man, I think to take seriously Christine Blasi Ford's accusations was right and proper. Then to roll out the Ramirez and Swetnick accusations to um, you know to press him on everything. Then to say we know he's guilty, which is what Maisie Horonis said. Said I don't need to hear from him. I believe her. She's right. Um, and then. <laughs> them to turn around and say, wow, you're getting kind of angry there, man. Uh, that, that's inappropriate. Yeah, It was. And the, and the, the lies and dishonesty that, that you saw from the Democratic senators on this was the worst moment. And, and we know why. Because they fear, and I don't think they should be convinced of this, but they fear that Brett Kavanaugh would be a fifth vote to dramatically limit Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which invented a, a constitutional right to abortion. And so they are willing to do whatever means necessary. Politicians have political capital, and they want to spend it where it's worth it.
1: And, and, and the protecting other protecting
3: Roe from a serious threat is they're, they're willing to spend all of their reputation because that's what, that's the most important thing to today's Democratic Party.
1: Yeah, and they have no, uh, no sense of the precedent-setting nature of their conduct. For example, I mean, people see what they did where they tried to make up in volume what they lacked in cooperation for any of the single— uh, standalone allegations, uh, their their lack of interest in due process, their lack of interest in presumptions that undergird our justice system and the basis of the rule of law in a free society. People see that, and the polling suggests they see it. For example, generic ballot among sub- suburban women uh, women excuse me a Marist poll in the last thirty days, it's gone from plus thirty five Democrat to plus fourteen Democrats, bringing a lot of Republicans wow. back into the fold.
3: No, and, and that's right. I mean, this this is going to be a real galvanizing moment. I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but um, when I check Facebook and see how half of my Facebook friends are reacting, I said, okay, I'm, I might put up some dog pictures or baby pictures <laughs> there, but I'm not talking about politics on Facebook anymore. Um, and that the uh, the Democrats, if we're just to look at this from all politics, the Democrats already had the enthusiasm. You saw it the day after inauguration when you had tens of thousands of of women marching with pink hats uh, they, they have the enthusiasm Trump every day refuels that fire with things he says that either aggravate them or aggravate me and are absolutely horrible as far as his comments go so he has been fueling that fire what Feinstein and uh, and Ford's lawyers and Planned Parenthood did here was so fuel on a pretty uh, tepid Republican frame to realize to remind people how no-holds-bars these Democrats are, that they will do whatever it takes by any means necessary to win, um, and that sort of the pretensions, the pretext, the pretensions of, uh, of rules, of process, of politeness, are all lie. That's exactly what gave us Donald Trump, that people said somebody like Jeb Bush or even Marco Rubio is going to try to fight the left by rules that the left is not going to play by. And when these fights came out, that's when people say, okay, we need Trump to be the leader of our party. That's what Stevens is saying in that in that column. And it's, I don't think these are positive developments for democracy. I think now we know we're going to have Supreme Court trickle down to eight or seven if the uh, president's party is out of power. And then maybe it'll go up to 11, 13 members when the president's party is in power. It's going to be... I mean, the, the rules are out the window now.
2: All right, I wanted to ask you back to the Kavanaugh vote. Uh, Republican Senator Steve Daines, his daughter is getting married tomorrow, Saturday in Montana. What? Uh, well, every vote counts,
3: so what is he going to do? Because yeah. he's a Kavanaugh supporter. So with, if, if you had a full 100 senators, yes. and 51 are Republicans, and one switched from yes to no, you'd be at 50-50. So say that's Markowski. So then it's 50-50 with 49 Democrats and Murkowski. If Gaines is not there, and he'll be there today but not tomorrow, then you're at 49-50. If it's 50-50, Mike Pence casts a tie-breaking vote, and Kavanaugh is confirmed. If it's 49-50, there is no tie-breaking vote. He goes down. And so what is probably going to happen then is that you, uh, if there's one Republican who flips to no and uh, no Democrats flip to yes, then you'll have to wait until Sunday when uh, Danes returns and then hold the vote, and it'll be 50-50. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, the, the, the Danes going to his daughter's wedding is not going to be what tubes Kavanaugh's uh, nomination it was, confirmation. Mitch McConnell I
3: mean, no. Yeah, Mitch McConnell is way too capable yes. to let something like that happen.
1: Well, let me ask you this, since we're still talking about Senate Republicans. um, Was it Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham's choice for him to be the point man on this, or did this just sort of
3: uh, happen organically? Um, I mean, so Lindsey Graham legitimately got angry. The thing is, if you look over Lindsey Graham's history, he has done a lot of bipartisan work with Democrats. And he has gotten uh, flack about it every once in a while. And he has stuck out his neck to work with Democrats in a political environment where Mitch McConnell hasn't always appreciated it, where a Republican base has considered it a negative to work with Democrats. And so he has taken risks to work with the other party, believing there was some goodwill there. And when he saw the farce that was the Democrats' treatment of Brett Kavanaugh, it, it uh, it was real righteous anger on his part. He was angrier than Kavanaugh in some ways because, again, he's acted as if the Democrats are a party that possesses political goodwill. And so I think that anger is what made Lindsey Graham become a, a leader on that.
1: Hopefully he's now disabused of that uh, false premise from which he was previously operating. He is Tim Carney. He is the senior political columnist for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. Always check out that Uh, outlet daily. Tim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
3: Hey, thank you.
2: And he joined us on our turnkey